Mindfulness Mode, Episode 31. The practice of mindfulness has helped me in those scenarios where I have felt frustrated, and it's usually the, the frustration comes from other things. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks so much for joining us again on today's show. I have a favor to ask you. Can you think of a question that would be a great new question for me to ask my guests? Just let me know what it is, and I'd love to add that new question to my show. Just fire me off an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Enjoy today's show. Hey, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Drew Hume on the line today. Hey, Drew, are you in mindfulness mode? Give me one second, Bruce. I just need to switch on. And yep, we're in mindfulness mode. Fantastic. Drew Hume is an expert at Thai massage. One of the things he often says while delivering a massage is, slow it down. Drew believes it helps us all to just slow it down. Down. Drew's Thai massages clear your head and make you feel like he has a surreal connection to your body. From this, you can tell Drew is a great person to talk to about mindfulness. Drew was born in Australia and now lives in Toronto, Canada. Drew, tell our Mindful Tribe listeners what really makes you tick. What are you working on right now that gets you most excited? That's a great question, Bruce. Um, I... I'm working on a whole lot of little projects, actually, that uh, have have got some really exciting potential. But the one that is quite immediate, I guess, is uh, it's called Thai Massage at Home. And it's an online video course that's hopefully going to reach many, many people and um, bring a few changes to people's lives in the way that they communicate, in the way that they connect in their relationships, um, and the way that they maintain their wellness. Thai massage at home. Well, that is really interesting. Tell us more about the program and how it works. Yeah, so uh, it'll be an online course um, that you can access at any time. And um, we break down a a series of postures. I've chosen a a selected few techniques that, that are really quite effective and also relatively simple to learn. And I guide you through in uh, a few videos um, through those techniques and then there's some written content and, and all of that kind of stuff um, to keep you going and it's something that you can break up over uh, a range of different days and um, something that I also then encourage people to do once a week or, or schedule some time in every month to really connect um, with with their family members, partners or friends and um, make it a regular practice. I see. So that sounds fantastic. Drew, I want to ask you about mindfulness and when mindfulness first became a part of your life. That's a, that's a, an interesting question um, because when I think way back and I think back to when I was uh, a young kid, I, I think there were glimpses of it back then. I mean, I, I vividly remember um, – spending hours and hours in uh, in one single rock pool. I grew up at the coast in, in Australia and I would always want to explore the rock pools and I would just stay with, a, I would find one and I would stay right there for hours. And I think 
it was it was all in an effort to take in as much of that experience as I possibly could. And so I think way back to then, and that's probably a glimpse of it, but then a little bit more formally, I guess, um, my introduction to mindfulness as an adult would have been about five years ago when I, when I started practicing yoga and Thai massage. Okay, so tell us how you integrate mindfulness into your massage. It's, uh, it's kind of a twofold story there. As a practitioner, um, mindfulness is really at the very essence of our practice. And um, it's a way to obviously maintain focus and attention, but then also to connect with the person that you're working with on a very deep level and, and really get in touch with what they need and provide what they need to the perfect degree. Um, and then the other side of the coin is is how do we encourage mindfulness in the people that we are working on as practitioners? And um, and there are a range of different things. It's a it's a very Thai massage is a very great tool at building self awareness. And one of the one of the reasons why is because we move your body through a passive range of motion. So the intention is that, that I request that you relax as much as you possibly can and, uh, and then I move your body into different positions and stretches and twists and all of those kinds of things. And as a result, people become hyper aware of where they are resisting, where they are holding any effort or tension that um, they didn't really necessarily know about. Um, especially to give you an example, one of the moves, I, I take someone's arm and I move it through a circular range of movement. Okay. And, uh, and it's, it's one of the ones in, in particular where people find it very difficult to surrender control of their, of their arm and really release fully. And so it does become this internal process of, of self-awareness and, and mindfulness of, huh, okay, I didn't really realize that I couldn't, I thought I was relaxed and I, I didn't really realize that I couldn't relax more. And uh, in, in that way, it becomes a, a mindfulness practice for both of us. Um, and then on top of that as well, there is also a really big component of breath and how do we encourage deep breath verbally and also non-verbally without, without touch in, in the massage. And, and it ends up being one of those really uh, profoundly relaxing experiences because we do get people to connect with a deeper breath. I see. So did you practice regular massage before you began Thai massage? No, you know, I didn't. I, uh, funnily enough, when I, when I signed up for my own training, I had actually never even received a Thai massage. It was the strangest thing. And I look back at that and I think that was quite a rash decision, but it, uh, it ended up turning out pretty well. To be honest with you, um, I've always had a, an affinity for going and getting massages for myself. And, um, and as a result, I, I feel like I had gained quite a bit, a lot of familiarity with massage techniques and, and oil massage, uh, styles. And then when I heard about Thai massage and was talking about it, it just seemed like the perfect, the perfect modality that, that incorporated a lot of good things from regular massage and, and also didn't require you to unclothe and, and get oiled up. Oh, I see. So somebody must have really, really encouraged you with Thai massage and told you how awesome it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, I sat down and had a, a conversation um, with my teacher and, and he, he, after our conversation, I was like, yep, this is, this is it. I'm doing it. I see. How long did you study before you became a person who could deliver Thai massage? 
It's been a, a quite accelerated path uh, for me personally, Bruce. I I was teaching intro courses and, and smaller workshops probably about eight months after I began my my own personal study, and I, you know I don't think that's necessarily normal, but it just felt so right, and it felt like something that I'd done before. It felt like I, I was just slipping on old shoes and and falling into a role that that was very very familiar to me. I see. So obviously it really works with you to help others feel good whether it's in the actual massage or in teaching others how to do it. Mhm. Yeah, I think um I've spent a lot of time recently in trying to get clear on on a on a one sentence statement of, you know, my why, my my purpose, my reasoning. And I think the biggest part of that at the moment is to bring people together with compassionate touch in in community and and that definitely translates to the individual setting where someone's getting a treatment and then also trying to spread that further and and help even more people get treatments by training other people i want to ask you is thai massage very popular are there a lot of different people who deliver this or is it more rare I think it's gaining in popularity. It's it's one of those things that I think is still very regional. And if you look at Toronto, for example, where where I am, I think it is it's definitely uh, more popular there and, and gaining in popularity still. But in certain other areas um, of North America, especially, it it, it it has a little bit of a, a different profile, and it's probably not quite as well recognized in certain areas. Drew, have you ever had a client who just didn't connect on the mindfulness level and maybe they just didn't understand or see where you were going with that? And if so, how did you bring them around? Mm. I think there's been a couple of of people who have come in and it's maybe not that they didn't fully get it. I think most people, if if they don't necessarily understand the, the deepest connection possible, they do feel something. They feel this this something else that they don't necessarily get from from other kinds of treatments, and they ultimately they want to investigate that sensation of hmm, okay, there's something there. What does that mean? What is it? And uh, and how do I get more of it? So. Um, for me, it's it's all about the conversation that I have with people after the treatment, and I and I check in and I see how they're feeling and and, and what was their experience like, and uh, and so that kind of gives me a gauge as to what degree they connected with the treatment, and then I'll and then I'll also give people um, a breakdown of what I found and what I noticed in the session, and then and then perhaps some things that they can do afterwards, and um and for the people who. I guess connect with this on on more of a um, therapeutic physical level. Um, it really getting them to understand the benefits is all about getting them to uh, do their their homework exercises and 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 get them to see how good they feel after having come in and then after having continued with their movement regimen. Drew, can you describe some of those homework exercises to our listeners, to our Mindful Tribe listeners, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it really all just depends on what's happening in their body. But let's paint an example here of uh, someone comes in and, and they've got a, a lot of low back tension. 
And I, after the treatment, I find that uh, a big portion of their, their low back discomfort is coming as a result of uh, a shortened or, or a tight posterior chain in, in their back. So that also incorporates the hamstrings and the lower legs and the feet. So something that I might uh, give as a bit of homework ex- exercise or activity is um, both some active and some passive forward bends. So really getting people to uh, a very simple one that I give quite often is to get a, a strap or a belt even if they don't have a strap and sit down on the floor, legs out in front straight. And for an active version of this, really pushing the the heels and the back of the knees in towards the floor and using the strength of your arms also to, to keep you, your spine tall and aligned as you fold forward from the hips. Um, and then a more passive version is the same shape, but just with less, less muscular effort. Um, and that's in an effort to to lengthen the entire posterior chain of the body so that they can um, continue feeling uh, freedom in, in their low back, especially. I want to ask you, Drew, do you find that having come to North America that you've discovered people seem to be a little different with their mindfulness and their anxiety? Or do you find we're pretty similar the world over? Hmm. You know, I think... I think in, in comparison to Australia, um, to be honest with you, I think Canadians uh, have, have a little bit more uh, of a profound m- mindfulness practice. I, I believe that the degree of friendliness, the degree of openness to communicate is, uh, is greater in Canada, in, in, in that part of North America, than it is in Australia. Um, I, I wouldn't want to cast dispersions as to anywhere else because I haven't really lived for a long enough period in any other country. I want to ask you about challenges that you may have had with with mindfulness. Have you ever come to the point where you just felt a little frustrated or challenged with mindfulness? And if, if you did, how did you work through that? Uh, you know, the practice itself, I think, I don't think that I've ever really been frustrated with the practice itself. I, I think that more than anything, the practice of mindfulness has helped me in those scenarios where I have felt frustrated. And it's usually the, the frustration comes from other things. Um, and uh, one of my, one of my uh, I guess, more prominent teachers really highlighted to me that the frustration itself at a, a mindfulness practice is still part of the practice. And so the way that you handle that um, reflects upon this the, the larger picture. So, I, yeah, I've, I, I don't think I've really necessarily become frustrated with the mindfulness practice itself. Right. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about discipline. And, you know, a lot of our Mindful Tribe listeners, we, we have a challenge just staying disciplined with mindfulness and keeping mm. it in our lives on a regular basis. What do you have to share with us on the topic of discipline? Mm. It's, it's something that I think we all uh, have, uh, we all are challenged by, I guess. Uh, and for me personally, part of the way that I help to maintain my discipline is the very first thing that I do every day kickstarts my my mindfulness practice, and uh, and I and I it could be it's a movement practice for me for my for my own practice, and it could be five minutes, it could be one minute, or it could be an hour and a half. It, it doesn't matter really what length of time it is. What matters more than that, I I believe, is 
getting in and doing it every day. And so whatever it is that, um, that everyone else connects to as part of their mindfulness practice, it's, I think it's starting the day as the very first thing that you do, um, diving into the mindfulness practice. And then I find that it sticks with you for the rest of the day and it becomes much easier to cast back into that, that state of mind and that state of awareness that you've cultivated as, a, as an initiating part of your day. Right. Good suggestion. You know, we've talked a lot about mindfulness as it relates to Thai massage, but could you describe a little bit more your own personal mindfulness practice, whether you meditate or what mindfulness really looks like for you in your daily life, Drew? Mm. Um, It's, for me personally, it's very heavily based in sensation. And part of that, and a big part of that actually comes from, I was very lucky to uh, participate in a, in a 10 day Vipassana meditation sit. And the lessons that I took from that, instead of necessarily sitting in stillness, uh, for a, a long period of meditation, I try to take that with me throughout the rest of the day and, and really try to get to the crux of, of where sensation comes from and why, why it is. And um, so for, for a morning practice for myself, it's, it's movement. So I, I move and I try to make sure I move very slowly. And as part of that really slow movement practice, I, um, I gain a different kind of awareness of my own self and my own body. And, um, and then throughout the rest of the day, there are many, many opportunities where it comes in. Um, and one of the more prominent ones that I guess we could all, we can all really connect with is this idea of hunger and, um, and trying to remove ourselves from the reaction that hunger can sometimes bring, um, instead of, uh, getting hangry, the, the, uh, common term for, um, frustration induced by hungriness. Um, it's a matter of still trying to communicate with integrity and with compassion without um, letting the sensation drive your action. I always like to ask that question because it really opens up a new way of thinking about mindfulness. Drew, I've worked in bullying prevention for some time and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can really make a, a positive difference in the lives of children or adults who have been bullied. Do you have a story about a bullying situation where mindfulness may have made a difference? Mm, yeah, um, I, I think I've been very lucky in that I didn't get bullied a whole lot. Um, my my father was the the deputy principal of my high school, so it did happen a little bit, but nothing nothing too major. Um, what I would say though, and and what I've heard repeated in other other um, guests on on your um, podcast, is that um, the best thing that I found was to just ignore, to just um, step out of the sensation and step out of the situation as much as you can. And then people lose interest. Um, and, it, and it's kind of, in a way, reflects upon this practice of tapping into sensation, I think, because as as a kid, you you feel affronted and you feel attacked and you feel sad, angry, frustrated, all of these things when, when, when someone bullies you. Um, and and a really great practice is to not allow yourself to get caught up in that and respond um, as a result of that sensation, but instead respond as a result of who you are 
um, and how you want to hold yourself and how you want to be. Drew, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, I really agree with you. And in fact, for one of my programs, I wrote a song called Just Ignore, which Mm. I think, you know, we do some actions with it. We get students up and we do a little bit of drama and just to really hammer home that idea that a lot of times that is the best approach if you possibly can. You know, we're concerned about your safety, but at the same time, if you can just ignore then many times the bullying doesn't continue on into something worse. That's for sure. Drew, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? I would have to, I would have to say uh, S.N. Goenka, who was my teacher for Vipassana on that one. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? It's helped me maintain a little bit more equanimity in that I, I get less caught up in the uh, big negatives and less caught up in the big positives, and I can maintain a little bit more equilibrium in how I respond. You've talked a bit about this, but how has breathing become a part of your mindfulness practice? I think it's a, it's a great way to educate yourself on on restrictions and tensions within your own body. And I also think it's a great tool as a reset button. If you take an extra, extra deep breath whenever you feel stressed or challenged, it just gives you a little bit of space to make other decisions. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? It's less of a book on mindfulness and more of a book on uh, the brain, to be honest with you. I'm reading one right now called The Brain That Changes Itself. And I think it gives us profound um, power and profound um, education for ourselves on, on how our thoughts can shape uh, who we are. And, and can uh, one, once we start a practice, it's a matter of being consistent and then things become much easier. Can you share an app? which helps you be more mindful? I've really uh, not had a lot of exposure to um, mindfulness apps, except for very simple ones like notes and uh, calendaring. I think that that helps me get the notes down and out of my brain and onto something that, that helps me stay in the present moment. So when you say notes, you mean physically writing the notes on a piece of paper? Uh, yeah. And on the, on the app, on the phone. Sure. Okay. What advice would you give a person who is new to mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? The best piece of advice. And it kind of, uh, it kind of reiterates something that, um, Tyler Christian mentioned is to avoid frustration. When you think that it's an unsuccessful meditation, um, your reaction to that is still part of the mindfulness practice. So try to step out of frustration and just keep bringing it, keep bringing it back in. Excellent. So Drew, I understand you're an athlete from talking with you before, and I just want you to just tell Mindful Tribe how mindfulness relates to all of the time you spend with your athletic activities. Mm-hmm. So a big part of, I think, when you have some kind of um, athletic background is, is injury prevention and also injury management. I think it's one of those things in, in any sporting environment. Injuries tend to pretty much always happen. You, you have to be very, very lucky to avoid uh, all injury scenarios. So for me personally, it's been a process of um, 
when you get injured, when I get injured, it, you really have to take a step back and try to observe how that happened and why that happened and not only deal with the fact that it did happen but then also deal with the fact that you may not return to that sport for a, a lengthy period of time or perhaps at all. Um, and so I think having a, a mindfulness practice at, at that stage really helps you deal with those kind of disappointments and frustrations that arise and also helps you approach the rehabilitation process um, with an understanding that it is a gradual process that will take time. And as long as you are complying and as long as you are getting in and doing the activities that you're prescribed by your physicians, that you just need to stick with it and will provide improvement. It will change things and give it time, allow your body to do what it needs to do and allow your body to heal. And then you might be able to get back to that sport um, in time. Sure, of course. It's really easy to be impatient when you're suffering from an injury and waiting for it to heal. That's for sure. Drew, it's been such a pleasure to spend this time with you today. And I'm, I'm really interested in your Thai massage and how you how you work mindfulness into that practice and your teaching. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. Could you share with us how we can learn more about you and how we can connect with you? Thanks for having me, Bruce. Yeah, um, if if uh, anyone wants to connect, my, my website is navina.ca um, or you could catch me on, on Facebook or um, Twitter. The, the handle is Navina Thai Yoga. Same on Instagram. Um, there are really a lot of ways that, that people can connect um, via digital media these days. So any of those modes are, are fantastic. So Navina, N-A-V-I-N-A, right, Drew? That's it. Yep. Yeah, excellent. Okay, great talking with you. All the best to you. Bye now. Thanks, Bruce. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.